Mitchellfoundation.com podcasts. The hauntingly beautiful prehistoric cave paintings of southern Europe are in peril. Recently, in Paris, over 200 archaeologists and anthropologists gathered for an unprecedented symposium to discuss the plight of the famous World Heritage Site of the Lascaux Cave in southwestern France. A fungus is threatening some of France's most celebrated prehistoric paintings, which has caused invading patches of grey and black mould. The stains are now darkening and expanding, and although they are still in a limited area, it shows that Lascaux suffers from an illness that must be constantly treated. The purpose of the symposium was to identify the problems of the cave and to learn how to avoid such a problem occurring in other caves, in essence, to learn how to preserve the artistic legacy of our prehistoric ancestors and ensure that cave paintings created up to 35,000 years ago would not disappear forever. I am Peter Robinson, editor and project controller of the Bradshaw Foundation. The Foundation's mission is to discover, document and preserve ancient rock art around the world. But what exactly is rock art and why is it so important to preserve this artistic legacy? To answer this, I am visiting Dr. Jean Claude, the eminent French prehistorian and former chairman of UNESCO's International Committee of Rock Art. I am here at his home on a spring day in the medieval town of Foix in the French Pyrenees. Jean Clot's office is entirely lined with neatly stacked shelves of innumerable books and journals, punctuated by beautiful framed images of rock art and intriguing artifacts gathered from field expeditions around the world. I asked Jean Clot to begin by defining rock art. Cave art is uh, one. It's one part of rock art. Rock art's more. It's a wider concept. It's painting, engraving, or carving or sculpture on rock. But that rock can be a big boulder in the open, or, I don't know, a mass of rocks in the open. It can be a shelter, also uh, open to, to the light, or it can be a cave. Uh, a shallow cave, a deep cave, a very deep cave, and people made their choices. And that is because uh, one thing they did all over the world is doing rock art. Y you find rock art on all continents. Fine. Uh, this probably is ingrained in us to mark the landscape in a way or, or another. And as far as we can tell, uh, this exploded with Homo sapiens sapiens, let's say us, Cro-Magnon man. But it's not impossible at all that it happened before with different types of humans. In India, for example, they have cupules. Cupules are cup marks. They are small holes like that, perhaps an inch, an inch and a half uh, deep, you see a couple of inches, three inches uh, uh, in diameter, a bit more. And you find them all over the world. In India, some are dated to more than 200,000. So they were made by people who were not homo sapiens sapiens. 
Why? Why? But why? Why? So that's the problem. In fact, I'm not sure uh, that cupules are rock art, because uh, or art at all. I mean, it 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 all depends what you call art. Uh, you see, we're always brought back to definitions, right? And uh, in my opinion, you have art when you have a, a recreation of the world in one way or the other, or transposition of the world, or some elements, of course, of the world, etc., through a human mind. So, in my opinion, the result of an action for an, any purpose is not necessarily art. For example, if uh, if uh, let's say a kid, you see, does some wiggles on, on the back, uh, the dirty back window of a car, it's not art. You see, it's just or leaves its its, its hand or writes dirty or something. You know, this is not art. You see, it 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 can become art if the beholder wants it to be art, then it will be art for that beholder, because it will be the transposition of something in the world through the mind of somebody. But for me, it's not art. Uh, it is art when, if it were something, the kid, we take the same example, wanted to draw something, to draw a house, to draw his father, or whatever, you see, then you can say it's a form of art, hmm? but uh, cupules, I'm not sure there are art. Perhaps people, they want just to, to collect some powder, mineral powder, for whatever purpose, uh, as medicine or whatever. And of course, you, you, you grind, uh, you, you grind the rock, you, you collect the powder, and then what you leave is a hole. But is that whole art? I don't think so. It's the result of a practical action. If the cupules are arranged in patterns, it may become art. You see, it's not that easy. Uh, so for such very old period, I'm not sure at all there is art. Uh, as soon as we get uh, into more modern periods, something like 40,000, 50,000, even 70,000 in, in, uh, in Africa, then definitely we have art. We have art. That art may be geometric. For example, the oldest Undoubtedly, piece of art we have is in uh, Blombos Cave in uh, in South Africa, and uh, there is a piece, piece of hematite. Hematite is a mineral oxide, uh, which has been works smooth on, on all sides. And there are three crosses and three lines crossing crossing them. So that's art. You see, there is also small, very small. Perhaps sculpture, I, we don't know, we're not sure, at a place called Berekat Ram in Israel, which is dated to more than 200,000, 230,000, 250,000 uh, years ago. And um, it, for us, it would represent uh, a human uh, shape, hand, and uh, bulky body, 
And some people have said, because there is a groove. And that's all. It's the only thing which is worked, the groove. So does that groove transform it into a statuette? You see the problem? The problem is, for us, because we've got our minds full of art, uh, artifacts and art, for us, we inter some people say, well, obviously, look, I mean, it's a statuette, you can see the hand, you can see, etc. But was it the same thing for them? I'm not sure at all. Why was that groove made? Who knows? We're on very tricky ground. When you get to something like Chauvet, for example, with days of more than 30,000 years ago, then you're on solid ground because they represented those animals, you've got representational art, you've got symbols, etc. Then you're on solid ground. So, um, from th that definition of art, we have rock art all over the world at, at all sorts of uh, periods and even until now in some places like Mali, for example, the Dogons still practice uh, painting in, in, uh, in traditional ways, <clears throat> sometimes, not very often. And, uh, but in most, on most continents, it's finished. I mean, people no longer do it, you see. And rock art includes several techniques. We have paintings, we have engravings, and we have sculpture, basically. And there are the techniques which have endured. And of course, sculpture and uh, engravings have endured uh, more than paintings. That's why they are more numerous. I then asked what had been the major discoveries which have led to a greater understanding of this subject. The major discovery, well, there, there are all sorts. It depends uh, what we're uh, talking about. Um, Altamira was a great discovery in Spain because it, it was discovered in 1879. And uh, because it made people realize uh, that there was cave art at a very early date, uh, that is to say during the last glaciation by Upper Paleolithic people, that was a big change in concepts. And uh, as for the magnitude uh, of the of the art, uh, Lascaux was a big discovery also in 1940, uh, because Lascaux is such a masterpiece. I mean, Chauvet uh, was a big discovery in, in 1994 uh, for uh, two reasons. The first, like Lascaux, it's very spectacular. Very spectacular. You've got those scenes with the horses or with lions, etc., and rhinos, and uh, it's extremely spectacular. So it speaks to us. Uh, the second reason is the age, uh, because we, it's the oldest dated cave in the world. I mean, we've got dates between 13 and 33,000. And uh, now we've got many, because there have been controversies like. You know, this happens all the time. So uh, Chauvet is probably the, the best dated cave in the world. And uh, uh, one of the controversies happened in England 
few years ago, three or four years, three or four years ago. And in fact, uh, some of our English colleagues argued, they said, oh, well, you've got those dates of 30, 33,000, but most of them were done by the same lab. So what if there is a problem with the lab? You see, which is not a, a, a real argument, because uh, that lab does about 6,000 dates per year. So why should there be problems with our dates consistently with the same lab over several years and not with other, the, the other 6,000? I mean, it, it doesn't bear... I mean, it's, it's, it, in my opinion, it's stupid. Uh, so I would have let it drop, but the people at the lab, they were incensed and said, well, look, this is a reflection of our honesty or competence. So they wanted to have what is called an intercalibration program. That is to say, you take a big piece of, of charcoal, for example, a piece of charcoal, you cut it into five or six parts, you give it to five or six different labs, each of them independently make their own analysis, and then you wait for the result. And they did it. So with, uh, I don't remember if it's five or six different labs, and uh, this got published. Uh, well, I'll give you... In fact, I'll give you a copy if you're interested. Uh, this got published uh, last year in, in 2007 in in, in a journal called Radiocarbon. You see, Radiocarbon to Comparison Program for Chauvicade. Uh, so you, you can have it. And of course, they got the same results. So we're sure about the dates of Chauvicade. It's between 30 and 33,000. So that made the discovery very important because it changed an age-old paradigm, which was which was about one hundred years old. Since the beginning, people had assumed that the first drawings, let's say between thirty and forty thousand, uh, were rough, were coarse, unsophisticated, and then that over the, the ages. People got better and better, you know, and they improved, and eventually they came up with a masterpiece like Lascaux. And in fact, when you think with hindsight, of course with hindsight it's always easier, but with hindsight, uh, this was a bit naive, because it, it, it was an evolution which was, uh, which took as a model the evolution of a child. A child draws without any sense of perspective, most children do, and then they get better, and then they can, they get better and better, and some of them become, become very good, uh, uh, artists, and some don't. <laughs> you see, but for, for humankind, it's quite different. Because, uh, in any given group, 30,000 years ago, you had probably the same, percentage of people who had artistic abilities, let's say, rendering what they saw through their hands, uh, and the same people who were dumb on, on that account, and brighter perhaps on, on another one. They were good uh, hunters, and perhaps the uh, 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 excellent artists would not be such a good hunter. Who knows? We all have qualities, you see. And in fact, so there was no reason why there shouldn't be uh, great artists 35,000 years ago, with, or, or more, with people like us. So that brought it to the fore. So it changed the paradigm. So now this had been said 
by um, one of our English colleagues, Peter Rocco, and 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 uh, Andre Rosenfeld, two 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 English colleagues of oh that must have been about 40 years ago and they wrote uh, a small book which at the time created quite a stir on um, on Kvart and uh, they had said that they said instead of having a gradual evolution perhaps you have a gradu- uh, an evolution like that you see with apogees and and times when the earth was not that good etc you see and that's very very probably what happened because you've got a big contrast between the, the art of Chauvet and um, the, the sort of simple stick figures found elsewhere in the world, haven't you? Uh, well, no, because between thirty and 40,000, you have very little, very, very little. Uh, up to the uh, discovery of Chauvet, there were a few places in the world where some controversial sites had been ascribed to that period very controversial, very small. Probably in in Australia, it seems that at the time there must have been an art which was uh, uh, which is called Panamariti uh, art, uh, which is made up of um, uh, circles and uh, animal prints, reproduction reproductions of animal prints, etc., which is not very naturalistic and which is very simple engravings right and um, in europe uh, in the origination mostly in france and in um, and spain the only record they had found was pretty crude let's say simple lines simple animals no perspective etc it's just fairly crude uh, except except for the German statuettes. Uh, um, in southwest Germany, in the Swabian Jura, they had found in three different um, shelters, um, they had found st- uh, statuette, statuettes made with um, mammoth ivory in origination layers, well dated, right? 30, 32,000, which were very sophisticated, very beautiful. So that stood out as a kind of incongruity. I mean, see, we get rock art, which is, uh, uh, which is crude, and we get those statuettes, which are very sophisticated. So people said, well, perhaps carving, I mean, came before people carved in the round, before doing things on two planes, right? Uh, and uh, so there had been people arguing about that. But with the discovery of Chauvet, it all became plain. I mean, they they could carve in the round, and they could also paint on the wall. Could Jean-Claude explain the purpose of the paintings of Chauvet? Oh, that's a big question. That's the question of the significance of the art, not only in Chauvet. Uh, I think there must have been many, many, many meanings. my point of view is that it will be always impossible to get all the shades of meaning. This seems to me fairly obvious, uh, because in order to know what they wanted to do, our only way is, one, to look at what they did, right? But two, to look at what hunter-gatherers uh, or, let's say, traditional people in general did 
in other contexts, that's ethnology. Hmm? So how did they do paintings in Australia, where we have the stories, the Aboriginal stories? Or why did they do paintings in uh, South Africa with the, the, the Bushmen or the Native Americans, etc.? And how did their minds work? What did they want to express? Uh, what chains of meanings that there were? And from that, let's say, uh, picture, can we say anything about cave art? So, when we do that, there are several things which become fairly obvious. First, it's that we can never know everything. Because uh, there, there is never, uh, even philosophically, there is never one truth. Because even in the same group, for the same drawings, they may have different meanings if the drawings were made in the spring or if, the, if they were made in the fall, in the course of this ceremony or that ceremony. Second, the same uh, drawings may have different meanings for men and for women. That's very important. Gender is very important. Third, they may have different meanings according to status. If you're, uh, uh, let's say, an advanced elder and you've grown through different uh, initiations or something, I mean, the, uh, the shades of meaning will be far more complex and different for the same drawings. And all this is compatible. So, and we have no way of getting that kind of input for uh, cave drawings because the people are long dead, right? That being said, so some people say, well, this is absolutely obvious, etc. And so let's drop the whole question, you know, and uh, talk about uh, how to date them, the techniques used, what it represents, etc. I, I don't think so. I, I'm in between the two, you see. Uh, we can't know everything, but that doesn't mean that we can, uh, we can know nothing. So what we can know is about the big lines, that you say, the, what I call the framework of their, of their thinking. And we can know about the framework of their thinking by looking at the framework of traditional people who made rock art. What did they represent? Why did they... There are all sorts of possibilities, you see. And then coming back to the rock art, to the cave art, say, what do we find? How does it fit with the rest? See, that, that's the way to do it. And like that, it's a real scientific hypothesis. Because you tell, you say exactly on what you base your hypothesis. It's, it's uh, falsifiable. You can check it, you can verify it, you can say, no, sir, I'm very sorry, you're wrong, this didn't happen like that. And then you come up with a hypothesis which can be controlled. And the hypothesis, of course, is not a belief, and it's not a truth. <laughs> you see, I'm not a believer uh, in the hypothesis I propound, and I, I don't believe for a second that it is the truth. I think it's the best hypothesis. Until somebody comes with a better hypothesis, which is not the case. So, in the case of Chauvet or the Painted Caves of Europe, with uh, David Lewis Williams, 
who was who explained who wrote about that before I did I mean I came after David uh, in so far as I was interested in his theories and I tried to check them and so w w we worked to to together and I saw that he had a point I mean it was as simple as that so we think that the cavort priority cavort ICH cavort was probably done within the scope the framework of the shamanistic type of religion. That is to say, in order to get in touch with the spirits and that the paintings were a mediator between the, the people who made them and the world of the spirit. Because that explains many things. For example, it explains uh, w one of the most important elements in Paleolithic art, which is that they made such use of cracks, they made such use of natural reliefs. Uh, for example, they saw a sort of uh, bump on, on the wall, and, and for them it was the hump of a bison, so they drew a bison around it, etc. This was not for fun. I mean, those people were sometimes... Uh, miles or more inside a, a deep cave and so th this had been prepared they had brought the lighting they had brought the stuff to make the paintings with etc it was something really prepared and when they went there in my opinion they were thinking that they they were in the world of the spirits in the supernatural world so they saw them they, they would see them on the walls uh, especially with the type of lighting they had which is, was not an electric light that that gives uh, gl uh, bright glare, but um, a flickering light of grease lamp or torch, which casts shadows all over the place. And so the walls become alive. So they saw the animals there, and they drew them, and by drawing them, they got in touch with the spirit. That So some colleagues say, oh, this you can never prove. Of course we can't. It's, you can prove nothing, in fact. And they said, it's more simple to say that they drew uh, their myths. They drew about their myths. Yes, it's more simple because it's obvious. They could not do anything else. Of course they drew their myths. When uh, everybody uh, uh, agrees to the art inside the case, being religious, magic, whatever, right? Everybody agrees about that. Because they didn't live, in, most times, anyhow, they didn't live inside the deep cave. So everybody agrees, well, they did that with, within the, uh, the the genus of their religions, whatever, and in the course of their religions, they had ceremonies, dances, songs, etc. Fine. So if you do something religious, whatever it is, you do it, obviously, because there is no other way of doing it within the scope of the myths. The myths are the sacred stories. And there is no other way. If you do something in a church, it is within the story of the Roman Catholic Church. The myth, I mean, that the, that the, the mother of the child is a virgin, that uh, uh, the God is in three persons, one of them is the Holy Spirit, and etc. And there is God the Father, and, and the Son was crucified. And there is no way you can escape from it, or, or, or else you can't. You belong to a different society, to a different religion. You see what I mean? So, of course, when they made those paintings in Chauvet, those paintings were about myths. 
but that doesn't that doesn't say why they were do they were you see that kind of explanation does not tell us if if you stop at it if you say they were drawing myths I agree with that you see but this uh, uh, then you you, you you block your mind to why they were doing their myths inside a deep caves where so few people went. And we know that few people went because we have not many traces. Um, and uh, they didn't live there because generally when you, you, you publicize, in a way, your myths, you do it in a place where people can see them. You see, that's why crosses churches are very often in high places a church is generally much bigger than a house uh, uh, and you go to spain for example all the churches and chapels they are on hills you see them from afar and uh, here in foie for example there is a cross on the highest point around foie there is a cross uh, and uh, it's, it's always like that you don't put uh, except when people were persecuted or something like that, which is not the case in the upper Paralytic, you, you don't put your myths in a place where nobody is going to see them. You see? But if you go there because you think that it's a place which is loaded with supernatural power to get in touch with the spirits, then that makes sense. But it's a hypothesis. find out more about rock art and cave paintings and the world of our ancestors, visit our website at www.bradshawfoundation.com. <laughs>